beautiful soul family and welcome to the walk on podcast the podcast where i try to demystify spirituality personal growth and healing and whatever else i feel like talking about i'm your host Britt cannon and this week we're talking about when bad things happen um i was just thinking and kind of like laughing to myself about this topic because I wanted to do this episode, like this very episode, like a month, maybe two months ago, I guess it was two months now when I first started going out busking seriously in the subways here in New York, I'd been busking for for like several years. I started out in my hometown in Norfolk, Virginia. Shout out. Um, I started out busking in front of the narrow there, which is this old like antique movie theater. It's so cool. I did burlesque there. It's like a dream come true. I saw the exorcist there for the first time. Um, and it used to be this really, really cool, eclectic, like they had everything video store too, but it closed down. Um, anyway, I started out, out off busking there. And then when I was traveling across country, I like busked wherever I could and Nashville was like the most memorable. Um, and then when I came here, I started busking in the parks and I found this, uh, tunnel in prospect park that I like got really attached to and I busked there for a long time. And then I started playing like, you know, gigs and at open mics and stuff. So I kind of didn't do it as much, but I would still (laughs) drop acid every once in a while and go do it and always had a blast. There's actually on my YouTube, um, Brit Cannon music. There's some hour, hour and a half long videos on there of me on acid playing in this tunnel. They're really beautiful videos. If you're into that, um, Brit Cannon music, but, um, yeah, I was, I didn't have the tools to go do it in the bus in the subway busk in the subways because the it's really loud down there with the trains so you need some kind of like like my guitar isn't totally acoustic and like my piano is too quiet so I needed like a little amp and they're expensive and I didn't have money for a long time or I did have the money but like I didn't want to like sacrifice the 70 bucks or whatever and then one day I was like fuck it I'm gonna do it and I didn't eat for like (laughs) several days because I spent money on this. But anyway, so I like, I was like, I'm going to do it. I psyched myself up. I went in the subway and it's scary because New Yorkers are mean, you know, and you're like inflicting yourself on people. You're like forcing people to listen to your music in the park. It feels much more transient. Like people are just walking past in the subway. Sometimes people are standing there, you know, and you never know who like, doesn't feel like hearing you play. God knows. Sometimes I don't want to hear people play, you know, I just want to listen to my headphones. So I get it. But, um, so I was a little nervous, but I went and I had a great time. These little teens gave me a PBR tall boy, which I love PBR. So like, you know, it was like, wow, this is great. It's like perfect for me. Um, cause they thought I was cool and they didn't have any money, but they were like, we have this. And then I lost my phone. I dropped my phone on the train tracks. I lost this really important paperwork to get my 
birth certificate that was really hard to get. I lost a notebook with like all the covers I'd ever done and all my repertoire from college. And like basically every song I've ever learned was in this binder and I lost it all on the same night in like different, you know, like dropped my phone on the train track at a different time. I lost the binder and the important mail, you know, like just it was a great time. And I was like, so excited that I finally got out there because the first time is the hardest you know, sorry, it's early in the morning, so my voice isn't working. And I just took a gravity bong. I took two, actually, because I, this is for the stoners out there. I did that thing where I got high, and then I forgot I got high, and I got high again. And then I was like, whoops, I was already high, I guess, because now I'm like, ah, too high. Anyway, um, <coughs> first-time listeners, this is what it is. We're multifaceted here. We're stoners. We're sex workers. We're children of trauma. We're survivors. We're mystics and spiritualists and high vibrational beings. We are multifaceted here. Um, anywho, so after that night, because I have typically been, I believe that there's there's sort of like a default settings version of us, of each of us. Uh, this is true in astrology, you know, like as a Libra, I can be codependent and passive aggressive and not speak my mind and not lay boundaries and be a little wishy-washy and never, ever make a decision in my life. And, you know, like there's a lot of lower vibrational default settings, Libra traits that I have embodied in my life and I am fully capable of embodying in my life. And then there are high vibrational Libra traits. And like, I can always, as I'm healing, click into those, you know, for longer and longer periods of time until eventually that becomes my way of being, you know, for now it takes a conscious effort and that's okay. Maybe it'll take a conscious effort my whole life. Who knows? But the default settings are like always there, but they're not, it's kind of like you can, they're not, um, law, you know, you, there's free will. And I think the healing is where the, the healing lies in the free will because you have to choose that, um, or like choose to pursue that. Like I always say, when I first started, uh, going to therapy or like healing in general, cause I was like healing on my own for a couple years before I was brave enough to go talk to someone else. And, uh, the whole time, my only goal was, I just want to feel better. You know, feeling better is like the higher vibrational choice because there were times in my life before that where I thought feeling as shitty as I felt was the only option, that there was no other choice, that that was life, you know? Um, anyway, so I'm typically very easily discouraged. That's in my default settings. It's because I have always been discouraged. Um, in my family, bullying was kind of like how people showed their love. So like anytime you stepped out, um, sh like showed off, uh, were good at something, you know, made a good choice. It was really odd. It was like you were celebrated for making, you know, bad choices for yourself encouraged. Like that was, everyone was like, yeah, you're cool. You're doing all, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and if you were making good choices, you were like picked on and made fun of. And like, it was kind of like school, you know, like, oh, you're a nerd or whatever. Um, 
or like, I don't know, there was just always this kind of game to like make you feel less than great about like, about yourself in any given moment. Confidence was not encouraged. Um, but then you were sort of belittled and berated for like not believing in yourself at the same time. So it was like double-edged sword, no win situation. So being discouraged was like very easy for me. Like one, for example, not that long ago, a couple years ago, uh, getting a rejection letter from like a writing submission. And that's how you get published as a poet. You like submit your poetry places or you self-publish, but that takes a little more money and resources. So occasionally I'll get brave and be like, I'm going to submit some poetry to this place. And one time I got like six rejection letters on the same day. Horrible. Um, so yeah, it would take me months to try again because I would be so like wounded from the rejection because it triggered so much in me because I've been getting rejected my whole life. Excuse my phone buzzing. Um, so yeah, um, kind of like when I would start recording something or like start learning something new or try something for the first time, you know, if it wouldn't go my way, it would, it would sort of deeply affect me. And I would have to take a step back and do some healing before I could try again. And I became okay with like that process. And then over time, although I didn't realize it because healing is such a slow burn. Um, cause you know, you just, you feel better gradually. And so sometimes you forget how bad you used to feel, you know, because it's like, you're so far from that. And, um, so while I was out there and all this bad stuff was happening and then for several, several weeks, I was like dealing with the fallout of, (laughs) of that terrible night where I was just trying to do something good for myself. Like I was just trying to put myself out there. I was just trying to be brave. I was just trying to commit ever further to my purpose in life, you know, I felt like that felt like some sort of cosmic universal punishment, or that was the way I could look at it. Like, I'm not supposed to do this. What am I doing? I'm not good enough. Like I can't even hold on to my stuff, which is also, uh, that's like a, a beat myself up trigger because of my autism. I'm very like absent-minded and forgetful. And like, I lose things very easily. I forget things like in high school without without fail, if I had a paper due, I would leave it at home the morning it was due, like without fail. It happened every single time. Um, so it's like a constant source of frustration with me at myself and frustration with people outside of me at me because it makes me seem unreliable or like, I don't care or, you know, whatever. It just frustrates people because they don't understand that I just have this like weird, like Bermuda triangle in my head, you know, like I can't even... (laughs) explain it. I have this weird Bermuda triangle in my head where just like certain things go and I can't, there's no, it's like, I don't know, some things like for a while, someone kept bringing up Ayn Rand to me and I feel like my soul knew that I would hate Ayn, Ayn Rand so much or is it Ayn, Ayn, Ayn Rand? <laughs> Anyway, I, my soul knew that I would hate her so much that I blacked it out. Like I could every single time he was like Ayn Rand and I'd be like, who is that again? And he'd be like, we've had this conversation like 11 times, like, well, come on. And then later, a year later, whatever, he'd be like Ayn Rand. And I'd be like, wait, who's that again? I could not retain it. That's the Bermuda triangle. There's certain things, papers, the morning they're due Bermuda triangle, you know, like I just, it's not even forgetting. It's like, they don't exist. 
I don't know. Um, <clears throat> what was I talking about? Just like my train of thought sometimes goes right there to the Bermuda Triangle. Um, so yeah, the next day I woke up the weeks after I was like feeling a little shitty, feeling a little down, but you know what? I kept going out there. Every chance I got, I was on the subway platform singing my little heart out, making $5 or $0 or $14. Um, I didn't get any more free beer, but you know, it would have, it would have come if I stayed out there. My goal was actually to find free weed (laughs) or like, um, have someone give me weed for my singing. I think that would be, uh, incredible, like a great tip, like better than money actually, because honestly the money would probably go to weed anyway. Um, just cuts out the middleman. <laughs> um, anywho, uh, so I was thinking of doing this episode because I was like, oh, I'm so like, my bounce back is so quick. I'm not getting discouraged. I'm not like, I had no thoughts of quitting. Took me no time to feel better. I was like, well, that bad shit happened, but that was so fun. I had such a good time. I made so many people smile. I love playing my music. I love playing my music for longer than 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever I get offered at these open mics and stuff. Like, I want to play like a full set, you know? I want to play like a Grateful Dead set. I have so much music, you know? I could just go and go and go. And I love the low pressure of it or like who cares if you fuck up a little or if you have to start a song over like it's just so outside of what I'm used to and like all the pressure I put on myself that makes music not fun that I was just like I couldn't stay away and then it's like when all this corona stuff was happening too like just starting to happen you know like as I was out there I was seeing the trains less and less full and like more and more masks and the last day I went actually it was like odd like creepy um and that was I think I stopped working like three or four days after that so it was like right before it got really bad and um yeah so I was like oh I want to do this um when bad things happen episode and then worse and worse and worse and worse things kept happening and so now doing it here you know it took some time like I couldn't go out to Harlem to go to my producer Emma Jane Seslowski's house hi Emma Jane (laughs) I miss you um couldn't get out there because it was like too many trains to take and it was getting too scary and then it took me a while to get a set up here because I had some things I had to buy and I didn't have money. Um, so like now that I'm set up here doing this episode, it's like I've been living with the idea of this episode for two months now and things have just gotten progressively worse. And it's proof of perfect timing because, uh, or like divine timing. I believe in that. I believe that we don't learn any lesson before the moment we're meant to. So it doesn't make any sense to judge ourselves or beat ourselves up for how long it took us to learn because we learn exactly when we're meant to sometimes you learn like an onion you learn outside the outside layers first and and you get closer and closer to the meat in the middle and of course the meat in the middle is the most painful part if you had gotten to that before you were ready before you built up the you know calluses it's kind of like fingers when you're playing guitar at first you can only play for like 20 minutes because your fingers hurt so bad but then you can play for hours and hours as you keep doing it because you build up calluses 
is. Um, and they're not pretty, you know, and you have to like clip them sometimes and that's gross, but, uh, it's cool how your body like adapts to the challenges that, uh, life presents it. And it's the same thing with our energy. Uh, so like as you heal, you rub up against the roughness of that wound, you know, and you build up a little callus. So like you couldn't have handled the whole truth of it in the moment, which is why you had to do it layer by layer. So you could get stronger. And then when you get to the core, which is the most painful part, it doesn't even hurt that bad. You know, you're so good at healing that, um, it's no big deal. And I guess like, that's kind of the heart of this episode is, uh, when bad stuff happens, we just respond to it um, by <clears throat> treating ourselves with care and kindness, um, which seems so simple to say. I know it's like obviously, <laughs> but it's really hard to do. And like I said, I remember a time in my life that feels so long ago. Like it feels as long ago as my past lives. It's so odd how different I am, you know, but I remember a time where I didn't, it didn't occur to me to be caring or kind to myself. I didn't even realize that was an option, you know? Um, so I say that for the people who don't know yet or who need it reinforced, because just like that onion has layers, we always talk about the spiral of healing, like the spiral of life. Um, and I feel like sometimes the more you heal, the more frustrated you become when a when a when the same wound presents itself again, because that's how it happens. Like if you, sorry, I have to cough my like <laughs> my throat chakra. <coughs> Man, those two bong rips. I shouldn't have done it, uh, but I forgot. <laughs> that's the weed cycle, the cycle of weed life. Um, so, oh my gosh, what was I saying? Oh, I lost it. Let me find it. Let me find it. Um, I don't, oh yeah, sometimes you, so you can like, you have one person that like, maybe it's your parent you know, maybe it's a partner, but like someone who deeply wounds you, who like hurts the core of the wound, who like, or who reminds, hits one of the peelings on the outside and reminds you of the core wound. Like that's what a trigger is. It's like the person might not be exactly the same, but they have like a reminiscence of usually a parent or caretaker or like someone who traumatized you in childhood. Um, and so even if you stop dealing with them, even if you stop dealing with the people who caused the wound in the first place, um, or even if you don't, the wound will still present itself in different people or different scenarios, you know, um, it's like how getting fired can feel like a rejection, like a personal rejection, even if it's not, even if it's just like cutbacks or whatever. It can feel, it feels personal, you know, even though it's not, it's kind of like that. Like it reminds you of something else, some other, some similar way you've been hurt. And like, so you're feeling not just the pain of that moment, you're feeling the pain of all the times you've ever felt this way. And that's why it's so hard to be hurt. But as you peel off those layers and you get to the core, you understand like I don't know. I've, I've said this before in one of my past episodes, but this is how I feel now. Like when something 
bad happens, when bad things happen, I'm just dealing with the bad thing in that moment. I'm not... I'm not also dealing with all this past stuff because I've, I've healed and like understood all that stuff. So it's almost like I'm not being triggered anymore. Or if I am being triggered, it's like so manageable. Um, it's so small and my bounce back is so quick and it's not me avoiding. It's not me repressing because I know how to heal. I'm like so quick at healing. Um, and I know how to care for myself. Like there's no beating myself up. There's no judgment. There's no shame. Or if there is, like I said, I go through it really quickly, like a couple days instead of months or years, like how it used to be. It's just so much faster these days. Efficient, I guess is the way to say it. I'm not rushing through it. This is just how it happens because, because I have less baggage. Um, and to have baggage is not, it's not a judgmental thing. Like, don't be like, Oh my God, I still have so much baggage. Like don't compare yourself to where I'm at. I'm here to like, to like let people know this is the thing. Like it's like with confidence. I've been thinking about confidence a lot because I've been getting, I get a lot of compliments on my confidence. And back in the day when someone would, especially like a thin woman would compliment my confidence, I would always take it as like, I can't believe you love yourself so much considering how you look. Like that's what it, that's what, um, you know, I love your confidence or like, I wish I had your confidence that's what it used to mean to me. And I don't know if that's how they intended it, but I know a lot of like fat women or fat people socialized as women or like fat people in general who like get that compliment and take it the same way. Cause it does have that kind of tone, you know, but these days I kept like grappling with it. Cause I get complimented on my confidence so much that I was like, I I need to stop taking it that way, I guess, because like, it can't be this many people like, um, thinking that, that way, you know what I mean? It's, and it's not like just coming from the same kind of person. It's like from all walks of life, people have been complimenting my confidence. And even a friend of mine made a sim of like a, our, all of our friend group recently. And my Sims main quality that she gave them was confidence. And I'm like, wow, like that's a thing people associate with me. Um, but I didn't always have this, uh, like I started said in the beginning of the episode, like not being encouraged. My default settings is to like doubt myself and beat myself up. Um, I don't remember why I went on this tangent, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it takes, it's like riding a bikes in one way podcasting, but you, it's a it's like a conversation you have to keep up with yourself and like remain coherent and try not to say, um, or like, you know, or what's the other one I say? Anywho, you know, it's just like a lot. And, um, it takes practice to get back in the swing of things. I mean, I know I'm doing okay. I feel it. I feel I'm in the groove, but, uh, every once in a while I lose my train of thought and I just gotta like, you know, find my way back. Um, yeah, but I didn't really, I don't know, thinking about it, like I was saying earlier, healing is such a slow burn that I didn't realize over the years since I started working on it, how far I've come. Um, 
how not confident I used to be and how confident I am now and how it feels effortless now, but I've actually worked really hard on it. But I wouldn't say it's hard work now looking back. I would just say it's worth the work I did. And it wasn't hard. It was joyful and glorious and falling in love with myself and getting to know myself, which hallelujah, praise the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, We just found our way back to the point of the episode. God is good. (laughs) When bad stuff happens, you know, I should say when bad shit happens. I feel like that's more me. But anyway, when bad things happen, um, we just have to control the only thing we can control. Back to that. Mary Oliver poem that I love, uh, the journey, which I read in one of these past episodes, um, save the only life you can save, you know, yours. It reminds me of like going out into the world, especially here in New York. I don't know how it is everywhere else. I, I assume it's slightly better everywhere else. Although there's these, those protests going on where people are like, open the cities, you know, like, let's get back to work. And it's like, what? (laughs) I don't know. I cannot understand these people who care more about money than like lives, like human lives. I just don't or their own good time. Like, I feel like this is the whole problem. This is like the, the core of the America onion or capitalism onion is like, we're, we're bound to this illusion, you know, this system based on an illusion and the people in charge of it who want to have more of the illusion. And it's just like absurd because the people who are suffering are the people who have very little um, because of the illusion. (laughs) You know? It's like the rage that I feel when I really think about it is like, I feel like it could burn me alive because it makes no sense. Um, and it's just so out of alignment with God that I didn't even mean to go on this rant, but like, while I'm here, I might as well, like, it's so out of alignment with everything that like our higher selves want for us. And like, I even feel, you know, like source consciousness doesn't get frustrated, but there is some dimension in my consciousness of higher vibrational being that is very frustrated with us and the choices we continue to make and the karma that we refuse to transcend because we keep making the same mistakes and the same choices over and over and over and over. Um, well, not us. I will say, I won't say we, this is like a case where I don't, I take responsibility in the sense that I'm human and we're all human. And if one of us is this way, it means all of us have this within us in some capacity, you know? And so we all should deal with it. Um, so it's always dangerous to like other yourself. That's why I always, when I talk about white people and how horrible we are, I always say we, because I am one of us, you know? Um, and it's my responsibility to tear it down, but, uh, you know, it's just, 
it feels like it's so far from me because I just don't live that way and I don't love that way and I don't think that way and I'm not blocked by those same sort of demons or whatever. Um, but it's just so selfish and it's so dangerous at this point, you know, and I think that's a thing when bad things happen, clarity comes because when bad things happen, um, actually this is really interesting today is my cousin Dustin's birthday and my cousin Dustin was my slight was is my slightly younger cousin who died um I think he was like 20 or 21 um of a drug overdose and like I think in 2011 um so it's been a while but it always hurts today's his birthday 420 um which makes sense that I'm super duper stoned on this episode aww it all comes, you know, <laughs> clarity comes. Um, but thinking about him, you know, that was like a bad thing that happened. And the clarity came, that came for me, um, even though it was so devastating. And like, you know, I was sitting there at the funeral and then after the funeral as like all the women, not even all the women, like all, most of the members of my family are just like running around my aunt's house, like cleaning. And I've always like loved that. I always, it ha, it's like, I do it. My sister does it. And every time we do it, when we're in stressful situations and we just don't know what to do. So we start cleaning. Um, I love that because like, even though my family is problematic, uh, and I left them behind, it's like a, a trace that remains. That's good. You know, it's not one of the the destructive <laughs> things that remain default settings that I'm always battling. It's like, that's like a sweet one and a good one. And it's in those moments of darkness, um, funerals, you know, like just any, any time a crisis was happening, which was a lot, which is the case in a dysfunctional family, you know, it's always something. Um, it was, that was the thing I always remembered everyone was comforted by. And like, I learned to be comforted by that too. So now it's a coping mechanism I have. Um, so when, and I was like sitting there, okay. So like same train of thought, but back to the main line of thinking, um, that day after it happened and it's so odd to lose a loved one, especially a loved one that's younger than you. Um, and in the way it happened. And it was just like, it was very, it was devastating. It was like one of those life-changing, life-defining sort of Dr. Phil, <laughs> Mr. Phil moments um, where I was sitting there. And at this point I was only like, I don't know, 23 or 24. And I was like, looking around at my family and like all the addiction my cat is like yelling in the background because he wants to go in my sister's room <laughs> so this is me feet niles um so yeah i was sitting there thinking about like just looking at all of us and like thinking like this is a life-changing moment for me and i wonder if anyone else is going to be changed like i wonder if anyone is going to deal with their issues or like work on their healing or try to be better or um you know just take this seriously and take this moment as the wake-up call it is and uh after the fact, it was like a handful of us did, but most of us didn't, and um, or most of them didn't. And I would really say only three of us, or maybe more. I don't know. There's a, a bunch of us don't keep in touch, but uh, 
you know, some did and some didn't. And at that moment I was like, oh, some people take, uh, sometimes a crisis brings out either the worst or the best in people. You know, sometimes some people take a challenging moment as an excuse or as a, I don't know. They just run away from it. It's like people who run away from one thing in their life, run away from everything. Um, and some people sort of take it as a chance to introspect or heal or um, just allow the clarity to come in because clarity comes regardless. <laughs> it's just about whether or not you acknowledge it and receive it and internalize it, right? So when bad things happen, clarity comes. There's like a priority shift. You suddenly see like cleaning. You see like what makes you feel better. Um, you you just, if you just pay attention and observe yourself and observe your emotions, you see like what activities bring you joy or bring you peace or bring you healing or allow you to let the feelings out. You know, this is the thing I'm noticing, uh, as I talk to people through this crisis and like help people, a lot of, a lot of us, myself included need like an external catalyst in order to get the feelings out. Like they need to watch something sad or like listen to something sad. Like they need something to like trigger the emotions so they can cry because like we all need to cry. And I've talked to like, I don't even countless people who've told me this, like, well, I know I need to cry, but I'm just like blocked up. Cause like, I can't define the emotions exactly. But it's like, once you pop that seal off and you let the emotions come out, then suddenly with the tears washing it away, like the clarity comes and you're like, Oh, I was upset about this. These are the things I was crying about. I was upset about this. I was upset about this. I was upset about this. And like, that's where the clarity comes. Another way that clarity comes is, um, seeing when you have if this is for people who aren't working, people who are working, like, I don't know how you're doing it. I think about this every day. Like if I, I mean, I'm working now doing this, but this is like what I want to do. You know, uh, I can't imagine doing something you would have to do, uh, with all this going on. Like, I don't know how anyone's having their brain really work correctly. Again, this is, I feel like this work doesn't count because this is me processing. Like this is my, one of the clarity points that came to me. Like I love helping people and people feel comfortable reaching out to me. And, um, people, certain people reached out to me for like life advice or like, how do I handle this? How do I process this? How do I lose this to heal? And then I sent them my podcast, not as like a plug, but as like a, I know this has helped others. And like, I made this to help. I made this because these are the things I have learned and I want other people. Oh, this is what I was saying about my confidence. Now that I have it, I want everyone to feel this way. You know, like everyone deserves to feel this. Everyone deserves to love themselves. Everyone deserves to get paid to do the thing that they're best at and that they're most passionate about. Like everyone deserves that. Everyone deserves to have a happy, joyful, comfortable life where they are given everything that they need uh, to be happy and healthy. Like everyone deserves that. <laughs> Everyone deserves happiness and joy and love and respect and learning and space to heal and space to know themselves. You know, like those are just, everyone deserves this and I want everyone to have this. And as much as I have this in my life, I'm going to pay it forward because like, I just want everyone to have this. But, uh, the phrase 
teach a man to fish keeps coming up for me like teach a man to fish wait what is it give give a man what is it give a man a fish he eats for a day teach a man to fish he eats for a lifetime so i'm like not trying to do the work for anyone in fact it's impossible to do the work for anyone else i'm just trying to put the tools out there and hope that the people who resonate with what i'm doing will pick up what i'm putting down um speaking of on sundays i'm doing on zoom a spiritual sermon sundays where i'm going to get on zoom for like two hours from 333 eastern standard time until probably 6 5 30 or 6 we'll see you know how many people show up and how much we can get going this week it was only two of us it was me and my partner <laughs> but it was really cute um so I'm going to do those as like a companion piece to this podcast. It'll be a lot like this podcast, but much more interactive. We're going to like talk to each other and share our feelings and build a community. I'll answer some questions and read some tarot. We'll meditate, um, you know, just as like a community check-in. So if you're into this and you'd like something more interactive, that is available on Sundays. And because I record the podcast and release the podcast on Mondays, I'll start incorporating the subjects we talk about into this. So they'll be like truly companion pieces, um, once it gets rolling. So if you're into this, like by please, 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 please check that out and tune in. I would love to see you there and connect with you on a more personal level. Um, so yeah, um, when bad things happen, clarity comes. We, we see what we love. We see who we want to spend time with. We see what makes us happy. We see what foods we like to eat. We see what calms us down. We see truly what like movies we like to watch, what music we like to listen to, what exercise we like to do, um, what we're missing in our life, what we'd like to change in our life, you know, the big steps we need to take just all of that kind of like dawns on us. And sometimes that feels good. If you're like ready for all that, sometimes it feels daunting and like a a lot to which I say baby steps, you know, one thing at a time, I can only control myself. That's what I was going to say earlier. Um, you know, when bad things happen, some people act up and you can be the most careful, patient, you know, whatever person in the world, but that doesn't mean everyone else is being so doing so acting in that way. It reminds me of parents always saying like, it's not you. I don't trust on the road. It's the other drivers. It's like very that right now going out into the world, going to the grocery store or whatever. Um, and I just keep telling myself, like, I can only control myself. I can only control myself. If this takes me two hours because every time someone walks near me, I take a step back and let them finish whatever they're doing. You know, let the people in a hurry be in a hurry, let them risk themselves. But like, I'm going to stand back. I'm going to take my time. Um, I think that's, there's like a lesson in that, right? Like, cause patience is next to godliness. Um, patience is like a divine lesson. That's like a thing that we all need to learn because there's so much anger and frustration in impatience. And a lot of like, impatience is sort of like, it's sort of like a lack of gratitude if you think about it, because like, instead of saying, thank you for what I have, the impatience is like, what is taking so long with what I want, you know? <laughs> um, it reminds me of 
Baruch assault. Every time I throw a tantrum at God, I always remind myself of her. Like, I want the world. I want the whole world. <laughs> like a brat, you know, like a tantrum. Impatience is a tantrum. Um, so, yeah, that's a clarity moment, you know, like, I could choose to be patient in this moment because like being frustrated at me, like what are my two choices in frustration? I'm going to be impatient like that person and get in their space too. And then like get even closer to getting sick maybe, or, um, be patient and protect myself and them a little better and make this experience more pleasant for myself, even though it might take longer than I'd like, you know, I keep thinking of flow in this as well. Like when bad things happen, I'm reminded of flow because I see where I'm resisting the growth or I see where I'm resisting the circumstance that I'm in. It doesn't mean that the circumstance that I'm in is great, but it means the more you resist it, um, the more trouble and strife you're causing for yourself because the more impatient you're going to become and like the more angry you're going to be that you're where you're at instead of just accepting where you are, adapting to the circumstances and treating yourself the best you can with where you're at, you know, like, um, finding the gratitude, finding the light, finding the joy. Um, you know, I just, I know it's not always easy. You know, I know grief is like so heavy and anxiety is so heavy and like, you can't really choose your way out of a mental illness and like all that, um, that it's not to, uh, minimize any of that, but it's just like, wherever you are, find the love for yourself when bad things happen, wherever you are, find the love you have for others. When bad things happen, you know, pull them closer. Don't push them away. Find the community, find the vulnerability. If you have the spoons, help someone else. Um, if you don't have the spoons, take care of yourself and see that as a noble act and see that as preparing yourself to get back out there when you're ready. When bad things happen, find the comfort, you know, find the higher settings, you know, find the default settings and see them for what they are and maybe choose something different. Um, find the lesson. If there is one, if there's not a lesson, the lesson is probably you're supposed to make it out of this, you know, a wiser person than you were before you went in it. That's not always like, that's not to say that it's, that it makes it okay, but it's like, it makes, mm, it's a lesson. It's a, it's an experience, you know? And I think sometimes like, while it might not be the reason something happened, uh, helping others who are going through what you're going through heal is the highest level of healing. That's like the finish line, or I like to call it the graduate school of healing is helping others. So like, but first you have to really, 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 really help yourself. The graduate school, but you have to go through the kindergarten to the bachelor's degree of healing first before you get there. That's not, I mean, you can do them simultaneously, but um, when, when you have that urge to help others, when you're like, oh, I understand my pain. I understand what I'm going through. I understand my process. Um, 
I can talk about this without it like deeply triggering or upsetting me. I can hear other people's stories without it badly affecting me. You know, it doesn't take my energy to help. Like once you get to that level, that's like the graduate school. And that's where you can really like, I don't know the way that I've been able to like connect with people through this whole thing and the way people have felt good being totally vulnerable with me, you know, admitting all the ways they're struggling is like, I never thought I could feel that, like that kind of love and connection and like appreciation. And I never thought that I would be able to handle that without flinching, you know, not in a judgmental way, but in a way that's like, that's a lot of responsibility and very scary to talk to someone in those deep, dark moments and, um, and just be able to sit with them and like, I don't know. It reminds me of the six of swords, like quiet passage through a difficult time. Um, you know, just like peacefully waiting through it with someone else is like, it's such a beautiful just thing to be able to give someone. And I was thinking this morning, like it's, it's, I love being there for people the way that I needed someone, but like, I didn't feel safe or comfortable to reach out. And like the fact that people feel safe and comfortable to reach out to me is like an honor. Like, I don't even know a better way to put that. If I think of one, I'll probably write a poem about it. Um, but like, that's the clarity, you know, the clarity to, to know when you need help, the clarity to know when you can help. Um, and also just sharing your experience. You know, it's like, we're all on social media. We're all like spending all our time looking at screens and trying to desperately to connect with one another. And like when bad things happen, share how you're dealing with it, you know, share your journey, even share your pain. Like, I feel like there's this like weird, I don't know. It's like, we don't want to look at our own pain and when other people share their pain, it may, it reminds us of our pain. So we don't want to see theirs either. There's this weird, like shying away of like sharing or like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there is a difference between like sharing because misery loves company and sharing because you want to help. Like there's a different vibe to those. But I even think in moments where I've had the communities of misery loves company, I needed that at the time. So like, there's even a place for that. You know, I just think this is such a good time to like, to open up even more, to admit when we're struggling even more, because like, I always say this, I feel like I say this in every episode, but like community is the antidote to fascism. Like it's the only thing that combats fascism really. And community is love. Community is that like agape, unconditional, universal consciousness love. It's not just romantic love. There's no ownership in it. There's no even like definable, like there's no limitations on it. There's no boundaries on it. It's just wide it's everywhere. It's like the molecules in the air, you know, like it's existence itself. It's poetry and wind and sunshine. It's like everything. And that's what community is. Like that's what, when you go to a protest and you feel the chest area of your body, you know, a protest for good, not one of these bullshit, let us get back to work protests. But like when you go and you, and everyone's aligned in this like loving purpose to make the world a better place, you feel your chest or your heart chakra open up. Any kind of activist space always has that energy for me. 
Um, same thing with like going to open mics or like hanging out with other poets or other musicians. Like every time I'm in that space, my heart's open. Anytime I'm with a friend and we're having like a deep, wonderful, no bullshit conversation, my heart's wide open. Um, you know, seeing the, seeing your loved ones, like connecting with your love, anything that makes your heart open like that, I feel like we should be engaging in more, um, aligning with that, reminding each other that that exists, it's available to us, and it doesn't require physical closeness to cultivate and maintain. In fact, if we've learned nothing from the internet, haven't we learned that having a screen between us makes us more capable of being vulnerable or more capable of telling the truth we've been using it to be mean to each other for so long maybe we haven't really noticed the like upside of this which is that it's more comfortable to really share your feelings from a distance sometimes it's at least a good like introductory course to it so like let's do that let's engage in that let's um let's practice so that when the world opens back up we can be even better at loving each other than we were before all this happened. You know, I feel like the bar was pretty low before all this happened. So like, let's really work on it here. And that can be true, you know, no matter how, uh, no matter how dire your circumstances, you know, there's always, there are always people that love you there. Are, I see it so much like people posting, you know, like I just lost a loved one or like I'm sick myself, whatever on on the internet and even people who've been like, you know, I just celebrated my whatever birthday all by myself in my house or whatever. And then you see these like thousands and thousands and thousands of comments on the post of people being like, Oh, I love you. I support you. It's like people just want to put their love somewhere. It's like find somewhere to put it and put it there. Um, when bad things happen, find the light. And that doesn't mean to repress. That's another thing. Maybe we should talk about that. When bad things happen, feel the pain. You know, like we always talk about that. You got to feel it to heal it. If you avoid it, it's going to keep coming up like those whack-a-mole games. It's just going to keep on popping up. You're going to have to keep whacking them. <laughs> just face it. Just feel it. If you have a day where you need to cry, just cry. If you need to stay in bed for a little bit, stay in bed for a little bit. You know, um, there's no wrong way to do this. There's no wrong way really to deal with this. I feel like getting judgment, getting should, getting shame, getting guilt, getting like all that out of our, out of our um, mind space right now is one of the best things we can do for ourselves. Like to stop comparing, you're on your own journey. Like that is clear. That is very clear. We're all on our own journeys. Just like let everyone else have theirs. You have yours. Um, stop comparing. Stop looking at other people's papers. <laughs> Just like turn that gaze to the internal and the consciousness, you know, the all around, the omnipresent. And um, I don't know. You can get through anything. <clears throat> it makes you resilient and you're resilient anyway. Like look how much you've gotten through in your life. Um, I feel like that's a thing that's happening right now too, is like 
a lot of people I talk to, it's like everyone is getting so clear on like what their core wounds are. Like this is a pattern that comes up in my life over and over. And this is a pattern that comes up in my life over and over. And this is a pattern. And it's like very clear. And again, clarity brings pain. You know, clarity brings mourning because with clarity comes the knowledge that things have to change, that you can't do things the way you've done them before. And this is true on every level, on like a cosmic level, on a societal level, on an interpersonal level, and on an individual level. Um, You know, like realizations. I have a whole episode. I realized there's a sad side to I realize because once you realize you cannot unrealize like a relationship doesn't end at the breakup. The relationship ends the moment when one of the people realize it won't work in no more, <laughs> you know? Um, sometimes that takes like, sometimes you have to realize that a bunch of times, but every time you realize it, don't you feel a little queasy? Don't you feel a little sick? Don't you feel like, oh, I should do something about this, but I'm not gonna, I'm gonna let it drag on for however many more years. (laughs) Like that's what a red flag is, right? Red flag is I realized. Um, so there's mourning to seeing the patterns and seeing and some people kind of stop there you know like they realize they feel the sadness and then they run away um but it's kind of but on the other side of that is like a better life a better way of being getting out of the default settings the resilience um and eventually you know like the manifestation of better as we like allow ourselves to have better and experience better and um that's like the most beautiful thing of all. And then the proof is in the pudding, right? Like whatever healing you've been trying to teach, whatever thing you've been trying to share, whatever struggle you've been trying to transcend, when you, when like the proof is in your life, when you're like no longer walking with that baggage, I feel like that's when you become the highest teacher of all, which is a leader by example. Um, Do as I do, you know? And as I say, <laughs> proof is in the pudding. Um, it's been so good to be back. I love doing this. I really missed it. Um, I hope this helped or helps. If you have, I mean, maybe I'll do another episode on this because I feel like I only talked about a couple things, but it's the same stuff we always talk about, which I think is, it's also when bad things happen you know, it's same, it triggers those same core issues. Rejection men, rejection men, mm-hmm. <laughs> rejection, abandonment, rejection men, um, TM, <laughs> uh, you know, capitalism, like not good enough, not deserving, uh, fucking generational trauma, addictions, like all the same stuff that always comes up, forgiveness, love, respect, can only control yourself, you know, the serenity prayer, God grant me, what is it, the, mm, I can never remember it, I think about it all the time, but I can never remember it when I need to recall it, anyway, the part I always think about is to know what I can change, to know what I can't change, and like, what is it to change the things I can know the things I can't and like know the difference or whatever it is. I don't know. You know that, you know, the quote, 
um you can only control yourself that's what like i keep thinking every day you can only control yourself you can only control yourself you can only control how good you feel you can only control how much you produce you can only not in the sense of like the capitalist workload thing but like i've been dying to work on my art for years and now that i have the the means and the time it's like this would be so silly to waste like i can't waste this i have to just like do it which is why i'm here right now with you um and it feels good you know it gives me energy throughout the day it makes my soul light up and when someone listens to it and then tells me that it helped them oh my god that's the best feeling in the world that is better than applause and applause is a pretty good feeling it's like better than an orgasm and an orgasm is a pretty good feeling <laughs> It means that I'm doing my sole purpose. And that's why I encourage you to do the same. Help where you can. Love where you can. Um, and open up where you can. You know, like time's a-wasting. Um, please tune in to Spiritual Sunday Sermons at 3.33 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What is that? 12.33 p.m. Pacific Time. I don't know. I don't know the time zones. I think that's right. Um, I would love to see you there. And I think we'll have so much fun. And I would love to like read some tarot and answer some questions. And also just like, you know, hang out. Have a good time. Drink a beer or some coffee or whatever you do at 3 p.m. Take a bong rip. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram at Brit That's It. And if you would like to donate money to keep this podcast ad free and keep me eaten and with my phone turned on, you can donate at Venmo. My Venmo is at Brittany Cannon, Brittany dash Cannon dash 11. Um, I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Happy healing. Bye.